Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hi, I'm Angelina from Dunstable, and you're listening to Dane Baptiste Questions Everything. My question is, what's the most useless talent you have? Okay, here comes the show. And remember, question everything. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Dame Baptiste Questions Everything, a podcast where myself, comedian, writer, and occasional actor Dame Baptiste, my producer friend Howard Cohen, aka The Hizzer. Hello. And a mix of very special guests pose the questions that need to be asked. And we are talking everything from. We are talking everything from Angelina from Dunstable's question What's the most useless talent you have? Dane, what's the most useless talent you have i don't know what yours i know some of your useful talents obviously yeah i don't um, think having a talent is useless it's always it's just, it's just fun of right situation in which it comes in handy like i can i can pick up like a pound coin with my feet cool that's good nice i mean i don't know how useful that is in a cashless society but yeah no no it's, it's it's of no use so that's a great useless talent my useless talent definitely has to be uh to have an, an unbelievable memory for all the players who played for arsenal i can tell you for the last 30 years every player that played for arsenal cool um, but can you tell us why can you tell us why <laughs> was on that team howard why yeah why was alberto mendez rodriguez that's the level we're going to but oh. don't worry about Los Santos. Ah. Yeah, we we we've all got useless talents, and it's a very good question. And um, and suffice to say, on this podcast, we ask and answer all the questions, don't we, Dave? Absolutely. And you would say that our indulging of uh, any type of question might become a useless, might be a useless talent in the real world, but out here in podcast land, it's very useful. So. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Therefore, if you like the show, please rate and review on Apple Podcasts or follow us on Spotify and you'll never miss an episode or subscribe to us on Acast, the world's biggest podcast network. Therefore, you can hear all of the crazy questions and all of the crazy and yet relevant answers. That being said, on today's show is a British comedian, writer and actor of Pakistani descent. His homemade YouTube videos, Diary of a Badman and Badman, have made him one of the most popular online comedians and actors in the UK. He is the author of the much-heralded Little Badman children's book series. For many years, he has proved an invaluable educational service to schools in the UK, for which he recently deserved a well-deserved MBE. If you don't know, get to know. Please welcome to the show, Mr. Hamza Arshad. Hey, what's going on, guys? Good. How are you doing? Good. How are you? Yeah, not too bad. Just uh, confined in these four walls. Um, so, yeah, <laughs> not, not much to do, really. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, other than getting MBE, what do you mean not much to do? Oh, yeah, that's, just, that's just another no, Hamza, you know what I mean? Okay. <laughs> just a little thing, you know? Just a, Yeah, I know, it's crazy, actually, to be fair. Um, um, what was it like going to get it? I haven't got it yet because of the, because of the whole, like, COVID pandemic thing. Like, I don't right. think that the, the Queen is on, you know, linking random people and, and getting COVID herself. <laughs> so I think, um, yeah, right now we're just, we're just waiting, but... Um, it's uh, yes, it's been crazy, man. I never thought I could like turn around and say, "Yeah, I'm I'm an MBE, whatever it means." You know, it still sounds cool. 
Yeah, no, it's seriously member cool. Of the, member of the British Empire, it means. Are you, so are you a sir now? Are you sir, Hamza Arshad? I don't know. I'm going to tell people to call me sir, whether they need to or not. That's another thing. Yeah, so, because um, normally when I hear sir, it's normally sir. You have to put that back on the rack. No touching. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, yeah. Sir Dane Baptiste. Like, oh God, that fills me full of guards. I, I can imagine you dressing more like kind of Chris Eubank if that happened. Uh, Listen, sir Dane. Baptiste. I can see it. Chris Eubank is a cultural and fashion icon and a national treasure. And I feel like we don't recognize that enough. That's true. I, I love Chris Eubank. I think Chris Eubank is one of the most fascinating people in British history, like British modern history. Amazing story. Yeah, 100%. He absolutely is, you know, and uh, it's, it's crazy that we've not had him on the podcast yet. Um, you yeah. know, I just feel like, well, now we've got the beginning because Hamza is already moving us into a whole new tax bracket and socioeconomic status of the society. Now it's MBEs only from here on out. The <laughs> bar <laughs> very high for 2021. Um, Hamza, other than uh, being a member of the creme de la creme of British society, what else have you been up to? How's your 2020? How's your lockdown going? How's your life? Yeah, it's, 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 a, it's a weird one. I think sometimes I feel, hey, this is great. No, no real work. You know, I could just stay at home, chill with family, catch up on you know, Netflix and Amazon Prime and just, yeah, just enjoy life. And then there's that other part of me where I'm like, I'm so desperate for human interaction, (laughs) not just work, but just like going out, meeting friends, you know. The stuff we take for granted. Yeah. All the time, the small things, isn't it? The small things, just being on the road and be like, yeah, I was just in the area, I was thought I'd come around to your house and say, what's happening? Can't even I was that. talking about this the other day. I was, you know, I, I work with people who love live comedy. You know, that's part of what my job's all about. And yeah. uh, and we were just talking about that lovely thing that happened at live comedy, where you'd go and watch like you maybe see like three or four acts on a, on a night, and 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 you know, you, you know a couple of them. You know, you're there with friends. You, the comedian comes off stage. You're excited. They've had a good gig. Yeah. You know, you, you everyone has a even if you don't drink alcohol, you just have a nice time and everyone chats. Some people go off for food. You know, it's that feeling of freedom. Freedom. Yeah. That's the that's what we're missing. It's, yeah, a, it's, it's, it's freedom. And it's actually scary as well because I, I remember just before this lockdown, um, I went to um, I think I went to a theatre in central London. Um, I don't want to say what play it was, but it, it wasn't very good. But the only reason why it wasn't good was because because they're not making as much money and because now they're at 50% capacity, um, you could hmm. tell they were holding back on like the um, like the props, the, the, the stage kind of um, – you, they were holding back financially and it really affected the performance. And then even when I was sitting there, I was like, you know what, even though this is so shit, um, I'm still going to enjoy it because I don't know the next time I'm going to be able to sit here and, and enjoy a, a live performance or, or even cinema. I mean, I love going to the cinema. I love mm. it. And, you know, these kind of things that, you know, I mean, I, that will break my heart. If I find out like cinema goes that I don't think I can handle that. So the joy of the joy of you know I'm a, I'm a fan of a superhero film right and even when they're shit I'll I will I can tell you I can sit in those cinemas and watch those films because for two hours sometimes longer unfortunately I'm just like there's this big thing up there you know and it's yeah. like full of entertainment in a few different ways you know it's yeah. and I don't have to look at my phone for two hours do you know what I mean like, I would, I would, I would, I'd be inclined to agree with you with the exception of the two superhero films Batman Forever. Batman and Robin and the League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. I might yeah, even allow Batman forever, but I'm not watching a Joel Schumacher film 
with yeah. Batman's nipples for two hours. <laughs> it is <laughs> a national yeah. disgrace. Yeah. So much so that he, he himself had to apologise for the atrocities he committed in that particular film. I think you should write a spin-off called Batman's Nipples. Uh, <laughs> I, think, I think that was in the works. I think that yeah. was actually in the works. He was, he was actually going to do Batman's Nipples and then um, got shut down. I think it's probably time for a question, Dane, as the format of this show dictates. Absolutely. As our very esteemed guest, Sir Hamza Arshad, uh, we invite you to ask a question. Any question you'd like, no question is too stupid, too highbrow, too big or too small, too surreal, which we will discuss for 15 minutes and some change. Then Howard will do the same, which we will also discuss. And then lather, rinse, repeat. I'll ask a question, uh, which we can all discuss. Uh, and then you can let our lovely listeners know where they can find all of your uh, previously existing good works and where they can look out for you in the future. And everybody go off and have a nice, isolated time. (laughs) (laughs) Everybody go off and have a lovely week. Yeah! (laughs) Uh, So, uh, with that, uh, how does that sound? Sounds good, yeah. Cool. Well, then we welcome you to ask the first question, please. Um, Okay, well, I mean, because we were talking about it, overall, in terms of films, in terms of comics, in terms of the cartoons, who do you think is, or who do you feel is better? Do you feel it's Marvel or do you feel it's DC? Because oh, that's the big so- thing. Like a lot of people. <laughs> people can't see this now, but how is convulsing with the lights. <laughs> I'm so pleased this is happening. I mean, where are all these people who should come on our podcast and talk comic books and go, brilliant. Let's, let's, let's just hear before we all jump. What, what's your, what's your thinking about this? How passionate are you? Are you? Our listeners won't know if you're, are you a passionate man about this kind of content. Uh, Hamza? Yeah. I mean, when I was young, I used to love um, collecting the, um, just any type of comic books, whether it's from Marvel or DC. Um, I was a big um, X-Men fan. Um, and yeah, and growing, growing up, even X-Men, the cartoon, you know, you know that one, like it was just, it was just one. Yeah. yeah. And um, yeah. And then growing up, like obviously you had, you know, the, the Batman nipple movie and, and, and a few, but <laughs> obviously you started progressing. And then I think. Iron Man. Was- Iron Man is what started it. Iron Man was what started it, but what got my attention was oh, actually... Oh, no, 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 no. Blade is what started it. Yes, Blade, 100%. Blade, Blade successfully I, started the Marvel Cinematic Universe. You know, you know, when people were saying Wakanda forever for like two years straight, yeah? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was like, no. Like, what about Wesley Snipes? Because he, he was the one who started, he started it. started all yeah, off. Yeah, I know it's just, that amazing, but yeah. for me... Oh, it is, but the pace was set by, yeah. because first of all, um, the first Blade film was a co-production between Marvel Studios and um, Amon Ra Films, which is Wesley yeah. Snipes' own production imprint. And also the Blade trilogy also introduced us to um, Brian Reynolds, yeah. who now plays Deadpool. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. And the, the, character, the character that he plays in uh, Blade Trinity is pretty much the same guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Two, two swords and wisecracks. It's like it's, <laughs> yeah, exactly. it's Deadpool pre like toxic waste and stuff like that as well. So I mean, yeah. DC DC versus Marvel is a great and it's an all time you know argument that, that will have gone on many podcasts, many, many and it's quite interesting. I think how skewed people will be by the movies, mm. um, which I think is one thing that's maybe a little bit unfair uh, on uh, DC because let's just be honest, Marvel smashed it for yeah. for a de- for a decade. Like a yeah. full decade of like twenty odd films, right? Like I yeah. can't remember how, but like just nailed it. And obviously DC 
Uh, maybe you guys agree. <laughs> Humza, maybe you agree. They did not quite smash it as hard with those movies. I do agree, but at the same time, I feel that, um, like, when I when I look at the Christopher Nolan trilogy, mm. um, I, I don't Beautiful. get it. I think that the, the first one, Batman Begins, um, I thought that the action was a bit... I didn't like the camera work. I thought it was... There was yeah, it was a bit, it was a bit shoddy. Yeah, it was, it was yeah, a, yeah, you yeah, know, like... Yeah. I hate it when, when you want to see action and they're like zoomed into the thumb and I'm like, I can't see anything <laughs> yeah. overall. The Marvel Universe and what Marvel has done with their films, definitely they've, they've, they've peed on DC many times. But I felt that when they got, uh, when DC got it right, with especially like I feel uh, The Dark Knight, um, mm. I mean, I feel that forget comic book movies, uh, for me anyway, personally, and a lot of my friends, they agreed that that was one of the best films ever made. You know, that was that's that could easily be in a lot of people's top ten. Well, the, stat, the stats, the stats are there on IMDb. Yeah. I think the Dark Knight is only behind, uh, maybe just behind Titanic and Avengers: uh, Infinity War for like yeah. highest grossing film of all time. So yeah, the, the Dark Knight did very, very, very well. Yeah. And uh, especially when you consider that uh, the, the shoes that Heath Ledger had to fill in the form of Jack Nicholson's Joker and stuff as well. Yeah. And then I would even go as far as to say that Joaquin Phoenix's depiction of the first Joker was yes. even maybe even as good as or maybe better than Heath Ledger's um, performance. Yeah, I mean, I remember seeing Joker, like it was like a 12 o'clock showing and I was just with my cousins. I was already, t- I was so tired. I was ready to sleep. I really wanted to watch this film. And I was, even though obviously it's a slow burner, Mm. But I was so engaged with the performance. And I just thought that, you know what, when DC do get it right, mm. literally can't touch them. When it comes to, they have that level of darkness, that, that level to uh, level of maturity in the, in this. Mm. Well, it's, it's funny. It's funny you say that because the thing about DC is that people, a lot of people aren't aware that DC have, so in terms of Marvel and DC, the difference is that like the business model between them is that DC was always presented as being a bit more of a fun or family friendly yeah. roster of characters, hence having like your Superman and Batman and then Wonder Woman. So very simplistic names, very, whereas Marvel, I guess the whole USP of Marvel was that the heroes that were being depicted all had a dark side or they'd realized their powers through some kind of melancholy or like tragedy in their lives. So in the case of like Spider-Man, for example, Uncle Ben was a catalyst for him to become Spider-Man. Yeah. Um, or like even X-Men are supposed to be an allegory for the his civil rights struggle, which is why they're called the X-Men, as in like Mar- Malcolm X yeah. and Malcolm X and, and Martin Luther King being depicted by Magneto and Charles Xavier, uh, respectively. So DC, what they have is their mature imprint, which is uh, Vertigo. Mm. So Vertigo is the imprint where they used to publish a lot of graphic novels. So for me, the, answer to the, question, uh, the short way of answering the question is that like Marvel do well with the movies and yep. DC do well with animation. Yeah, yeah. The, I, new, the, the, the Batman animated series, yeah, uh, that that was like an Emmy award winning. That had like Mark Hamill playing the Joker, who's Luke yeah. Skywalker and stuff as well. Justice League Unlimited is yeah. amazing as well, um, as well as like Justice League Young Justice. Like they've got loads of animations that they make, which are amazing as well. Like one yeah. of called like the Reign of Supermen. There's Justice League Apocalypse, Justice yeah. League Dark, which is like the supernatural side, which includes like Dead Man and Constantine, and yeah, it's, it's, it's sick. But like. Yeah, I feel I feel like with DC because the idea I guess was to try and appeal to that younger audience. They probably didn't have the same amount of experience as Marvel because I think Marvel had their first rollout where things didn't go particularly well. Mm. And one of the reasons why the Marvel Cinematic Universe exists, people don't know, is that like towards the end of the late night of the late nineties and early noughties, like the comic book industry was bleh because mm. now it's like the thirty-two bit era of like consoles and stuff. Yeah. And so Marvel sold their rights initially to Sony, 
before they sold them to Disney and for the Marvel Studios, which is one of the reasons why X-Men has taken so long to come on as a show because Sony owned the rights to like the, about uh, X-Men and mutants and stuff. Mm. Marvel back now, isn't it? It's back now, finally. And also, Sony also has Spider Man, and I think they had Wolverine and stuff as well. So yeah. that's mm-hmm. so long. For, but now, when Marvel have acquired them, I think Marvel's probably been able to prosper in the time now where filmmakers and producers have much of more of a uh, open link with fans. Yeah. And I like that comic book fans are probably the most vocal on the internet. So you can actually make stuff in line in terms of what you're hearing people doing and what they're seeing and stuff. And I think that Marvel's had the well, and Disney as well have had the wealth of time and practice to look at the mistakes that they've made previously, as well as what DC have made and mm-hmm. avoid them as well. Um, the Zack Schneider cut is a big thing as well. You heard about this? Yeah, it's coming out, so maybe that will improve it. But, um, but I just think for me, Marvel get the vote. Yeah, Hamza, because for me, because basically, if you line up, you know the the the, the heroes they've got versus yeah. the ones that. Uh, DC have got. I yeah. feel like I can invest more time in the quantity yeah. of heroes they've got that I love. So, like, I and I think the best example of that, um, maybe you guys agree or not, I don't know, but is is Thor, who you know the movies did such an incredible job of taking yeah. this kind of quite niche comedy character mm-hmm. uh, and then just bringing it to life. And I, I would, I was thinking uh, about my eight month old. I'm holding it up for you guys, my eight-month-old child, um, and uh, thinking, I can't wait to watch all these Marvel films with him. And I was thinking of what are my favourites, and and you know, absolutely love Ragnarok, like the third. Yeah, that's the easy. The third, that's the best. That one. is a great, yeah. great film. But then I also loved um, Doctor Strange. Like I love, I you know, some of those yeah. more kind of not necessarily niche ones, but not the main I mean, number it's, one. It's more, it's more mystic, as in you know, yeah. the galaxy is more cosmic, and uh, yeah. I think I think it's been very. I mean, as a comic book fan myself, I am actually very impressed with how they've been able to show the expanse of the Marvel universe. Yeah. And even now, we've got the upcoming series of like One Division, which I've been watching. This is very good. I've seen it. It's, it's good, man. It starts yeah. off slow, but it really picks up. I think the problem is really about uh, the existing roster with DC and trying to bring them all together, and then taking the time because I guess what DC did different is that they didn't take the time to develop characters in the same way that Marvel did. So yeah. when you got to the point of having the Avengers and having this like super team there's enough of a story that's been built up about your respective members like Thor, et cetera, et cetera. Because, or like for me, the best Marvel film, one of my favorite Marvel films, I think is uh, Captain America, the Winter Soldier. Yeah. 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 Great one. Yeah. yeah. I, I really like that one. And again, it's like introducing characters that people would not normally see and just yeah. really taking the time to look over that. And I think maybe this is where we've gone wrong with DC is that there's been some focus on particularly members of the Justice League who are the equivalent of the Avengers, like obviously mm-hmm. Wonder Woman having a film, Superman, obviously Batman. But I think, yeah, the confusion being is the fact that, like, your uh, Justice League Batman is played by Ben Affleck, whereas your Batman is being played by Robin Pattinson, Robert Pattinson now, and then yeah. been played by um, Christian Bale before that. So it's quite confusing. So we're definitely, well, we're definitely leaning towards towards Marvel, and we. Well, when do you Marvel, spend- Yeah, because I think they've they've executed in terms of the exactly the the expanse of a cinematic universe. I think Marvel have kind of pioneered that, but at the same time, yeah. when you have Disney behind you in order to facilitate this, then. Yeah much easier to make happen um but i think there's a lot of potential for dc as well but i think yeah really marvel is probably kind of leading it but then you could argue maybe the pixar universe is leading it really but then that's kind of also (laughs) (laughs) but do you do you uh do you align yourself with these this thinking hamza is it uh, kind of sound about right to you yeah you know i think that you know especially when you when you look at the movies um 
I think the 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 Marvel universe, uh, the Marvel universe is. I mean, it's, it's amazing how they've done it. You know, along so many years, they've built the same characters, and you know, everyone has their own films or their own trilogies, and it just the way it all came together in uh, um, Avengers. Um, mm. You know, I, I, you just it, it literally just you just couldn't really beat it. Um, and I just, I, but I just feel sorry for DC because um, <laughs> I think, I think is right. like they they do some like they do the they do cartoons really well. But that's so you know, funny. That's how people feel. That's how people feel. You're like, oh come on, what, what is, come on, DC, you can do it too. And they go Suicide Squad, and we all go ah. <laughs> even <laughs> like, no, even Wonder Woman. Remember, like, suicide, remember Suicide Squad? There was like his name is Slip That. He can yeah. do. Are you kidding me? <laughs> what ropes? Come on, guys. Like, I'm going to tell you now, if you're going to have a superhero that uses nooses to fight criminals, as a black man, you've lost me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Now, well, um, listeners, we will want to hear from you about where you stand on this Marvel DC debate. But let's be honest, it's going to rage on for generations. And I, I actually think it's interesting, you know, kids, so like my kid, Will he look at these Marvel films as though they're good or will they date badly? That's like a weird element of all of it. That's right? what, like, that's what I'm worried about as well, Howard. You know, like sometimes like my dad would have been into like Sergio Leone uh, films, like, you know, yeah, yeah. Westerns. Yeah, yeah. And I'll come in and be like, what's this black and white rubbish? This man's watching, bro. <laughs> rubbish. <laughs> like I, I, my child, remember my family comes to the room and I'm watching Avengers Endgame and they're like, this looks old. I'm going to be like, we are going to send you to an orphanage. Who are you talking to? How dare you? Well, I'm going to move on to a different area of kind of geekery, which is... What's uh, a great question. I yeah, love oh, it. amazing. Love Thank it, you. love it. Yeah, bring guests, bring geeky, you know, and, and, and popular culture questions. We love a we love a pop culture thing. But um, my question, as, I, as we move away, because I think Dane's happy to just do superhero stuff for the rest of the oh, show. But, oh, I could do this all week. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I, I was going to ask about the fact that, you know, um, uh, a lot of our audience uh, will have heard about uh, Hamza's work through the internet <clears throat> and through his internet comedy uh, kind of successes. Um, so I wanted to ask an interesting question as a massive comedy fan who's watched a lot of your work and also watched tons of other types of comedy is how memorable is internet comedy compared to film and television comedy. And obviously there's loads of people who remember your work who might have favourite episodes of what you did yeah. uh, and what you've done online. But I kind of have this theory that, that that a lot of the time what we watch online is a little bit not forgettable in like it wasn't good to watch it. It's just, it's just a, we don't hold on to it as much. And as a creator of YouTube content, I kind of wondered how you feel, you know, I'm sure you've you know lots of great comedies that you've watched on on TV and film. How you feel that being an, you know someone who's predominantly been online, how your work will be kind of as, as remembered? Uh, it's, it's it's an interesting co- comparison, right? Yeah, yeah, it is. I mean, I think there's two ways to go about it. I mean, like I think the internet. I mean, every day there's a there's a new meme, there's a new trend, there's a new challenge. And, and and it's very hard to keep up. So something that was popular yesterday may be forgotten the next day. And that's just how the online space works. It's just like, it's just like bam, 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 bam. Um, whereas obviously kind of film, you know, lasts forever, you know, and, and um, I, I do feel that, you know, especially when you watch a film, especially when you're younger, it will resonate with you more. It will resonate with your childhood. Um, 
But um, but then, yeah, at the same time, it's kind of like, I don't know, like this is just for me. Uh, but when I started doing YouTube, and but to be honest, YouTube was a bit different back then. I was kind of like, I don't want to say- You were a trendsetter. You were a trendsetter. Yeah. You you changed the way people consumed because you were returning to the same character yeah. Uh, yeah. and characters. You changed the way people looked at it, right? Because I feel like a lot of young people nowadays, and this is no disrespect to TV, but sometimes TV is dead. Like, you know, no no one's like, hey, boys, come to my house. Let's watch BBC Two. Like, obviously, bear love to BBC Two, but a lot of young people, they find that a lot it's not, of... It's, them, it's, it's, it's nothing to have to even yeah. apologize. Boys, in the same way that like there would have been a generation that when people said oh come to my house and watch tv people yeah, would be yeah. like well, there's a plethora of stations on the radio you have both yeah. am and fm available yeah, yeah, yeah. you know it's like and it's a video killed the radio star so the idea before it's like i remember you have to wait patiently for an album to come out be yeah. a particular stockist and go and get that and then obviously this before downloads and streams and stuff were available so yeah. nah, I, I think you're right for some people tv is dead it, does, it doesn't really instruct yeah. stuff in terms of how people consume that media has changed, so yeah. I was trying to create. I, I, I just, you know, as 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 a as a you know an actor, as a comedian, I just knew that I'm not going to wait for a phone call that might never happen, where mm. you know, like randomly a channel will be like, "Hey, here's your new show." Like that's not going to happen. So I had to make like pave my own way, open my own doors, and I thought, let me go on YouTube and create my own content. And because I was making, um, I, you know, like I made a, a comedy series called Diary of a Badman, which had a storyline, line which had comedy which had a you know heart which had a message and it, you know it, it was a story and it was it was genuine in listeners if you haven't heard it just as, before you carry on it, it is as genuinely as well-rounded a comedy series as you would find on your channels or your netflix it, it yeah. was it was perfect i mean you. if you if you weren't like yeah, if you weren't a uh, british pakistani then you would be just have the same integrity as like a chuckle vision but not to take away from it it's like, it's like if you look chuckle vision is, is like you know that is a british state a staple of british comedy yeah. you know in terms of the aesthetic of it it's not like it's a mad, mad madness with mad production values and stuff and a big old laughter yeah. track and so you know diary of Batman is no different any it's like you've made it yourself and you know yeah. it may look minimalist but it engaged with a particular audience yeah and, and 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 as i said like to answer your question it was kind of like i have fans now like obviously i've you know carried on with my youtube channel and i still make content and different types of shows um and obviously i you know with the books and with the mainstream tv i do all of that but a lot of the people who have you know who follow me on my journey who are fans who are followers um you know they will always say that oh you know your stuff was you know my childhood you know and it was that kind of nostalgic feeling and i feel that there are certain moments especially on the online space you know whether it's i mean i'm just naming a few but you know um for me it was shadrach and the mandem um mm-hmm. it, was, it was don't jealous me smoking barbers with jazzy and yourself yeah and, yeah uh, i mean I, 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 played, A-Dot, A-Dot was doing things um who else would i remember you, had well? one school, you know you had um uh what's it called rs Obviously, that man's not hot, and and, and, yeah. and it's, it's evolving. And yeah, from my London stuff, well, yeah, loads, loads of stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and a lot of these, as I said, a lot of these YouTubers, a lot of these online influencers, they've become more influential and more important to the younger generation than you know uh, Hollywood stars. Uh, that's just how it is. They will have more followers, they'll have more interaction, and 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 I think things have changed now. Things have evolved. I, I think it's such a. I think it's a really good point you bring up as well, Hamza, because I think I'm from a generation where I kind of struggled that generation between 
broadcast and digital media and somewhere mm. kind of in the middle where yeah. I, I don't, I'm from a generation where we're not necessarily completely engaged with online media to know who's who, but yeah. if someone reaches a certain level, then it may become something you're aware of and there's sometimes intersectionality there. But yeah, it's somewhere in between as well where we were kind of like, it's not, so yeah, because the generation of mine, like I say to people, is that it's a generation where it was like post-Richard Blackwood and yeah. it was like, you had like Bo Selector and you had like Ali G, but nothing that actually, actually represented ourselves. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, digital media wasn't in, in a position whereby you could just make an easy transition into making stuff, content yeah. online, or people weren't necessarily aware of it. So it was somewhere kind of in between that hard, you know, it's, it's like somewhere between Happy Slaps and Kimbo Slice and before <laughs> yeah. like the internet became viable for other people to yeah. use, man. And I think it's, it's good as you say is that like, what is allowed is that like now I look at the internet acts who have followers and subscribers it's like a TV station onto yourself or like yeah. a legitimate like pirate radio where you are able to be in control of the content. Obviously there's still guidelines you have to adhere to if you're going to use like a platform like YouTube anyway. But it's like you said, is that like, it's, yeah. it's, it's a direct to customer and therefore the aesthetic still represents more what that customer wants rather than being diluted by like a larger organization. And well, I, yeah. I find it fascinating because, because, because of what I'll give you, I'll give you the reason this question came about, right. Cause I was excited to have you on the show and, 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 and I was just I was, well, you know, I've got this baby and I can't sleep. And I ended up watching, <laughs> I ended up watching like uh, only, only Fools and Horses for me was a show growing yeah. up, right? But obviously it's that weird thing with your television, which won't exist forever, where kind of, if I if I did want to watch one of your old series, it's, it's a slightly more, it's not sitting on Netflix alongside all my favourite comedy shows yet. And that, and that, and that can change, that, that the platforms are probably going to evolve, but it makes the kind of, like it's just forever sitting, like only fools and horses. It's just literally <laughs> forever sitting there waiting for you to just watch it again in that capacity. But I guess, I guess the way we're consuming our media now, it's going to mean that your show will be there for people to forever consume. And it just feels slightly different. It's a good question. I mean, definitely creatively. And as a YouTuber, I mean, one of the reasons why we, you know, choose to do YouTube um, is because of our own freedom of creativity, of mm-hmm. no restrictions of no, I mean, You've obviously done stuff, um, you know, a lot of mainstream stuff, and you know how much they'll water it down, and they're like, "Oh, yeah, you might be able to say this." Or, yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, absolutely. Go this way. Whereas with YouTube, you, you know, it's it's your, it's it's yours. It's 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 an expression of your kind of your your vision, your your uh, your your. Uh, um, how shall I say? Just a, um, a a painting of your talent. Let's just say that you could just put out. Um, so yeah, and and. And also, like I think that a lot, you know, a lot of people don't don't re- realize how much money you can actually make on YouTube. I mean, obviously, times change, and 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 and, and yeah, things go differently. But um, um, I know when I've done both YouTube, the YouTube side of it, and then the TV side of it. And I'll tell you something: the the, the YouTube side of it is like where the money is at. You know the the and you would think no TV oh it's on the TV oh look it's you know it, it, you know there, there's adverts and stuff like that that it, a lot of, a lot of people will be surprised of how much money actual YouTubers will make just putting their content online having you know adverts uh you know that that are played in their videos which they will get a a commission for um and 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 that's how they're able to not only fund their you know further uh, future productions but um uh keep control of their um content and and yeah keep going yeah, yeah it's, it's very it, important for people to know man that's good man 
It, it's so it's so interesting, isn't it? Because because we are a generation of probably similar age ranges where we watched it develop, right? So so like there was a point. I mean, I you know I, I never talk about it because it was a long time ago. But the thing that got me into working in television was the fact that I made a load of short films or what were called short films. Yeah. <laughs> now, you, now you wouldn't bother terming using that term, right? But I yeah. made a load of short films that when I was burning DVDs yeah. at this production company for my job, I uh, made them in my spare time and they won a few awards and I got given a series on a tiny channel on Sky, like yeah. channel 942 or whatever. It was like, no, nobody's yeah. ever going to watch it. But obviously when I was bringing people their DVDs, I was like, oh, you should watch my show. And they're like, how the fuck have you got a show? And it's like, well, because I've been making all this this yeah. stuff. And and, it, and they were like, well, maybe we should give Howard a job then. If he, if he makes stuff, then we should probably just give him a job making stuff, shouldn't we? And, yeah. and then I got a career out of it. But but you kind of, I kind of think back to that era. I, I was so, you know, it felt like to those people who I was bringing those DVDs to, what an innovative guy. He's making stuff and putting it on the internet. Yeah. Now... I mean, if you were starting now, Hums, you, you've got a tougher gig now, right? Yeah, yeah, yes. Yeah. It's, it's, it's definitely more. Um, I, I think you know what it is. I think nowadays it's probably easier to go viral. I mean, it is. It's very easy to get something that gets a lot of views. I feel that, and I think Dr. Dre said this. I think I was watching one of his documentaries, The Defiant Ones, on Netflix. Really mm. good. Um, and I think he said something, not word for word perfect, but he basically said, you know, the, you know, anyone can make a hit single. Um, but it's about um, staying relevant, you know, like yeah, yeah, maintaining that. And like, that's one thing that I found, like I can, you know, and, and even like a lot of people out there, they can make one video on TikTok that might get millions and millions of views. But um, are you going to be able to carry that on? Are you going to be able to grow your brand? Uh, where are you going to be in 10 years time? What's mm-hmm. your... You know, you can't put all your eggs in one basket. That's why I had to go to, uh, you know, not only TV, but to books and write mm. stand-up comedy because I was like, okay, while I'm, while I have this engagement, while I have like these, all these fans around the world, I need to like pounce now and I need to open as many doors as I can for myself um, and, and, and make sure that, you know, as years go by, I still have to keep relevant. I still have to, you know, um, be conscious of, new trends and new like kind of I, I mean I always kind of wanted to make my own trends anyway I just wanted to make my own stuff and be able to put on my channel and if you like it I didn't believe in jumping on other trends or challenges and trying to get famous for that but yeah I definitely feel that you know a lot of people because when I go on school tours as well let me tell you something I've, I've literally performed like to tens and tens and tens of thousands of young kids and literally when I just if I genuinely ask them what does everyone want to be when they grow up I'm not even lying. The teachers have even told me this as well. Um, that 90% of them will say YouTubers, which is like literally incredible. I think, it make, I think it makes perfect sense in the same way that when I was a kid, people would be like, I want to be on TV. I want to be a presenter. I want to be a host. Yeah. I want to be an actor. It's, it's, it's it, all this, I think all this changes that the landscape in which people realize their creativity has changed before people would have had the idea that for them to realize their creative aspirations, they needed it to be displayed on TV. Now that they have their own autonomy to do it on the internet. That's why it makes sense that a lot of people would want to be YouTubers. And to be fair. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. 
So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with Code Program for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code Program. I mean, it might be one of the only jobs that are left in a world that has increasingly automation or yeah. a world whereby, you know, um, you're outsourcing your both primary and tertiary industry where we have no real domestic resources or manufacturing. Like, if you are a kid living in the British Isles and you want to be able to make money and not have to join the fucking armed forces, then yeah. a YouTuber might be one of the only viable things outside of, like, you know, sports or politics that you can actually make a, a decent uh, career in. So yeah. Yeah. it makes I'm, sense, man. As I said, KSI is, like, one example that I'll just put out, you know, big YouTuber, great guy in real life as well. Uh, and, you know, he started making, as I said, you, you, YouTube videos, gaming videos, few comedy sketches, and he was consistent, consistent. And now, like, you know, not only is he, you know, a, a mainstream name, uh, people see him as a celebrity. He's gone into music and he's doing really well with music. He's getting into boxing. You know, he's he's created his own kind of squad as well. And they've gone off and they've done their own things. So, yeah, it just shows that kind of like, you know, if you, you know, th- there it's easier now to kind of, I know we're kind of diversing from the question, but, mm. um, uh, but it's, you know, just to, the, the the internet is so powerful that so many people can use it for their benefit to use it to to you know even as a stand up comedian you know that you know maybe not everyone will go go to your shows but you know that if you maybe take you know like a minute out, you know out of yeah. your set and put it on yep. Instagram it, it could go viral it might just go on I'm just bait wall of comedy happening but like it, it could literally just blow and then everyone's like who's this guy and then at your next gig you'll get even more people that will come or more well, people yeah. that I mean even I, I, it's, it's, I mean it's, it's a lot of my friends that K Kurd who's K Kurd has been in the yeah. podcast as well K's always been outspoken about like the merits and the virtues of having a uh, online uh, part of your brand matrix because it's even like if you get like a thousand people liking something and only you know 10% of those people come to a show that's still a hundred people which is yeah. going to be over average for filling like a, a live room and stuff as well but it's yeah. what uh, I think it makes sense what Howard was saying. Howard, it kind of does answer the mm. question and stuff as well, because the way that some stuff isn't long-lasting, but it's essentially a shop window in the same way that, like, if you looked at... I might have done, like, Live in Apollo, for example, but there's I've, but behind that, there's been a, a hundreds and hundreds of gigs that people have never seen that no one mm. cares about in bumfuck nowhere to 20 or 30 people that, <laughs> that aren't going to be the ones that people mm. sit around in pubs being like, do you remember when Dane performed here that time in that basement in the corner? Like, they won't, <laughs> yeah. they won't do that to say, but it's all part of the making. So in the same way that, like, some internet comedy does seem to be quite disposable, it's all probably contributing on a mm. larger scale to the large brand in general that, like, there's experiences that you would have done for each one of those experiences or pieces of content you uploaded 
which all feeds into you putting to having source material for like when you're writing a book. So, um, yeah. what I guess to extend on uh, onto Howard's question as well, like, is there a way you determine what you want to last a lot longer as a body of work as opposed to stuff that's more easily consumable? Like, do you have maybe even if it's down to like this this playlist is for stuff that actually I want people to actually remember and yeah. how stuff I might lo- upload into other phones because. I guess one of the ways how I suppose you could like determine or distinguish between your longer lasting comedy, your creations is that like, for example, some stuff appears on like your Instagram stories and some stuff might be on reels versus some stuff that's going to be on your YouTube channel and mm-hmm. that's going to be uploadable. So yeah. It's, 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 and it's such an interesting time for, for this, you know, for this medium. We're going to see it continue to evolve and I'd be so fascinated it's, it's to think. Gold, it's a gold rush, isn't it? That's what I think. I think the internet in terms of, the entrepreneurial entrepreneur opportunities for creatives and not just the creatives, but you know, because creative can lead to, let's say you do start making some money from being on YouTube, then you invest that into like, I don't know, cryptocurrency and then you can. So I think, yeah, it's, yeah. this is just, it's, it's a, uh, the internet is just a new marketplace for global, yeah. for, uh, for global marketplace for people in general. So it's not just the creativity. I think on a larger scale, it's all of us trying to find out a way to monetize what we're doing online and being yeah. creative. Like mm, this well, podcast, for example. Exactly. <laughs> well, it was, it, it's my money! <laughs> <laughs> well, it's fascinating to, to talk about that. And um, I will um, pass it over to Dane for the final question of today's show. Uh, yes. So my question is, based on, as Howard was saying, is that, you know, you, I would say, would have wanted the early adopters for online content, particularly comedy, uh, and using digital mediums for that. Because um, I said I'm kind of obviously from an older generation, and, uh, like, but I do, I remember watching and seeing, like you said, you know, um, Shadrach and the Mandem and seeing those guys and, you know, working with, uh, KG and Marston as well and how amazing yeah. they were. Obviously, don't, je- don't, don't jealous me, uh, David, uh, Vujanic, uh, yeah. and, yeah. uh, obviously Jazzy Zonzalo. Um, and then even now seeing people like Mike's comedy doing like Dilemma and stuff as yeah. well and Spuds and, um, you know, um, Versace Black Milk. Like yeah. uh, Tommy, Tommy Expensive, who's now obviously on Family Lamb and stuff. So there's a, kind of a lots of early adopters. And one thing I did notice, which I found very interesting, is that, and there's, there's a lot of preamble for this question, Hamza, but it'll make sense when I say it, yeah? Is that okay. like, what happened was, yeah, at a time when you guys started doing a lot of internet stuff, as you said, like there wasn't really a lot of stuff that was representing you on normal TV. Yeah. And I feel like in that same gap, there was almost an attack on... Uh, the image of your cisgender heterosexual working class male, particularly mm. from a, a particular background. So, for example, obviously Dave Vianak being from he's obviously of Serbian origin, himself yeah. being Pakistani, Jazzy's uh, being Congolese, etc. That you know, for men or young men of that extraction, there wasn't really a lot of things on TV that represented them other than football, where you're dealing with archetypes of people that are even talking. Yeah. And when you did see that archetype or that aesthetic in the news, it would normally be collected to something negative. So yeah. if you're a young Pakistani man, it's like there would be an instant link to jihad and terrorism. A black yeah, man yeah. would be to youth violence. Or if you're Eastern European, would be down to like issues of immigration and stoking xenophobia. And yeah. I think what people like yourself, like yourself and David doing Bricker Bricker and Jazzy doing um, Smoky Barbers, um, I think, and Coyote Wumi being RS and doing, and you know, doing hood documentary. I yeah. think it was very important what you guys did because... Uh, and Michael Dapper as well, because you took an image that an, an, an archetype that's normally associated with negativity, like being a bad man or a road man, and was able to find a way of kind of diffusing that 
stereotype by presenting these more comedic aesthetics and kind of yeah. deconstructing and parodying that whole thing. Um, so what I want to ask you is that, like, what does being a bad man mean to you now? In the wake of, like, seeing, like, a, a Michael Dapper and, a, and you know, a um, and, like, a big shack and, obviously, yourself being a bad man and KOD doing RS, I think yeah. you've been very successful. It's been a very successful way of showing a... And even now, today, with, like, Munya Chihuahua doing, like, Unknown P and stuff, I think yeah, you guys yeah. have been very successful in showing a dimension of the black and brown aesthetic that is not normally suggested to people by mainstream media. Yeah. So, so what does it mean to be a bad man nowadays to you? Cool. Um, well, I think I can't actually be a bad man like how I want to be about how I want to be. <laughs> like, so basically, to give some context, like, so I'm I live in South London, so mm-hmm. I live in Shretham, Thornton Heath. Uh, Norbury, the, you know, and Brixton, these are like my ends. These are where I grew up. And a lot of people who are from there, they know that, you know, lifestyle's a little bit different there. It is very rough. I love it. I uh, wouldn't change it for the world. Um, but yeah, even when I was growing up and I wanted to do the comedy thing, a lot of my friends, they were like the typical, like, oh, bro, like, I love this comedy thing, innit? Like, no which, which I get because, like, like yourself, when I was a kid, who was doing comedy, bruv? There's yeah, not thing, exactly. there's nothing people said. People might say, man's on boxing, man's on yeah. football. Might do yeah. athletics if, if football or, or running it probably might do athletics and then yeah. if in entertainment was music like rap yeah. maybe you're a producer but it's like you know, do you know what I mean like I said if you if you do comedy to we come from both come from respective communities whereby I feel like I want to make people laugh for a living yeah they'll be yeah. like what's wrong with you bro yeah, yeah, yeah. the roads is not a joke yeah yeah punch, go punch <laughs> someone do you yeah, know what yeah, I mean yeah. <laughs> and punch like, lines bro <laughs> punch <laughs> in his face for the land <laughs> <laughs> so it, it literally was that and it was literally like, people were like bro you're being funny man but loud this you should like forget this like you know like you need to like do this and do that and 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 I don't want that kind of lifestyle as I said but I, I was around it all the time um and obviously you know Diary of a Bad Man stemmed from you know the 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 people from the ghetto and and I just kind of like you know took that stereotype uh, obviously over-exaggerated it a bit and just made it, you know, where people can look at that character or the characters in it and, and relate to it and say, I know someone like that, but laugh at it as well and laugh at the stupidity and kind of laugh at myself as well because I was kind of like, you know, yeah. growing up. I, I was... I was like, yeah, we all did. Yeah. I, I, I think it's so important we did because like you said, it's when you are a young black or brown man, due to suggestion from largely from mainstream media, also from cultural influences as well, there's a lot, not a lot of uh, movement for you to, for um, self-image. Yeah. And obviously, I mean, and you can also contextualise that in terms of being of the Islamic faith or from the community, whereby yeah, yeah. so many things will be labelled as haram. This is haram. This is not halal. This is not, you're not doing what you're supposed to be doing. But by the same time, it's like being able to present your culture and present your aesthetic in a way that is uplifting yeah. and not trying to like, you know, shit yeah. on your own culture. But at the same time, it's like, you want to make sure that you are getting rid of the stereotype that comes from a larger scale, from like, you know, the larger scale mainstream of what you're supposed to be as a black or brown man. So, I, I, yeah. I, I, yeah, I, that I, was really important to me, especially like, you know, obviously coming from, you know, my parents are from Pakistan. Um, I'm a Muslim. Um, and um, I, you know, since day, you know, when I would watch the news, it'd be like always like, like negative media towards Muslims, Islam. Mm-hmm. Muslim this, Muslim that, evil Muslim dog attacks grass, like anything to make us, you know, <laughs> any negativity, they'll, they'll find it. And yeah. for me, it was so important mm-hmm. um, to 
be able to show that, hey, Muslims, we're not all these kind of like, you know, because and I don't blame people. Like when people talk about Muslim or Islam, a lot of people who may not have a Muslim friend or yeah. may not know much about the religion. The first thing they'll think about is a guy with a bazooka on the cliffs, like trying to shoot at like a tank. Like, you know, their, their, their kind of mentality or, you know, or, or their actual, the, the, the vision that, that has been imprinted in the, in their, in their brain mm-hmm. of what Muslim is, yeah. uh, is completely different to, mm-hmm. as I said, and I wanted to show I'm a Muslim. Um, I can be funny. I'm normal, yeah. just like you. And and I wanted to normalize that. And, um, yeah. and also, of course, like, you know, so the beauty of my culture, my religion as well, because, you know, there's so many things that I, I was doing, like there was messages at the end, um, which was from my, my faith, from my belief, but any Christian, any Jew, any Hindu, any atheist could appreciate because they were like just universal ones, like about respecting your parents or being a good neighbor or, you know, positive kind of messages like that. So, yeah. Um, so it, it's weird. And, and, and also like being this kind of bad man, uh, you know, whether I was or not back then, um, it was a way to uh, connect with the youth because mm. as I said, they see me and they see me on YouTube. They see me, you know, on posters everywhere or on the TV or wherever they, wherever they see me. And then they'll be like, well, he's like me and he's up there now. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, so if they have a group of friends like, oh, I allowed this comedy thing or I allowed this, whatever, whatever they want to pursue, but they feel they can't because of the color of their skin or where they're from. You know, they, I, I always knew that if I can do this right, I can open so many doors because as I said, I was literally one of the first uh, first to do it, like in 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 kind of like my my domain, my bubble, and and I think that was really important. Uh, but yeah, so to to be a bad man is still it's my roots. It's like where I'm from, uh, and and I'll always embrace that. But also, like when you grow up, like you have to like you know being MBE and stuff, you have to be a little bit more like careful. <laughs> road but, and, uh, and, uh, if I was a bad man MBE, you need it on a plaque, man. That should be outside your front door. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> Yeah, 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 what a qualification, man! No, I, I think, I think, yeah, that, that's definitely what I wanted to kind of work out because I think for a lot of young men, uh, a bad man con- has connotations. That mm. I think a lot of the time tend to be quite, uh, let's say, they're, they're quite daunting, and there's a lot of pressure. Yeah. And I think nowadays, where we're having open and frank conversations about mental health, uh, particularly about the, you know the issue of uh, toxic masculinity and yeah. you know gen- uh, and gender politics, I think you know something like Diary of a Bad Man is a really good thing to study. And I think, you know, as a, as a, uh, endeavor is, it's excellent. And, uh, yeah, a lot of bad men like yourself from your generation, man, I, I really do rate it because, you mm. know, when I was a kid, when I was a kid, the idea of telling people, oh, yeah, I wanted to be a comedian or make people laugh, like yeah. it's not something that people could possibly fathom. So I think that is, you know, through people like yourself and KG and Marston and, and, you know, with, uh, Jazzy and, uh, with, uh, v- 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 Janik and, uh, I think you guys have definitely carved, out a whole new narrative for young men who are not of the same attraction of being, you know, of English descent. Yeah. And, and, and also because I think as well with comedy, comedy, as, and so I say people can't underestimate how important comedy is because it is the honest form of politics, like politically, like, you know, divisions and can be stoked, especially where Islamophobia stuff is concerned. But by you being able to give an account of yourself, which is readily accessible to the world, yeah. there's always that additional dimension that anyone who's not willfully ignorant wants to look at, you know, the lifestyle you provided that for them as well. Yeah, um, I appreciate that. And, you know, just to, just as well, like just for any listeners out there as well, because I've, I've been doing a lot of stuff. I'm ambassador for the Prince's Trust and uh, 
uh, and, and a YouTube uh, ambassador for um, and a YouTube ambassador. And um, I, I was doing this thing called Creators for Change. And one of the main things that I was doing was um, I was uh, um, uh, studying toxic masculinity because I made a short film and it was basically about bullying. And when I was doing my research, like back then, the, the stats were saying that 75% of people who take their own life are men. And that uh, me, uh, the biggest killer for men uh, under 40 is suicide. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I was, I, I didn't get it. So I started, you know, we started having conversations. And once like, um, I was at this event and it was like the P- Princess Trust event. And like, we were speaking to like Prince William and, and, um, um, and other like uh, people from different areas and industries. And uh, one thing as well that, you know, I picked on straight away was, you see, the the Asian and black community, our culture, our upbringing um, is a little bit different where, um, especially our fathers, and I, I don't want to speak for everyone, but like my father, the way he's grown up, um, it's harder for me to talk about something on an emotional level to mm. my father because Unfortunately, a lot of uh, the older generation from those backgrounds do have that mentality that, um, you know, men, men shouldn't cry. You know, men need to be strong. You know, being weak is like being woman. You know, like they have that. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, and the fact that they link um, emotional expression with weakness. Yes, exactly. And, and also they, they come from a generation where they, the infrastructure for them to, you know, receive any psychiatric help if they had any problems. Like, you know, black person I know, an Asian or Pakistani man I know that can walk into a therapist and be like, help me because yeah. that shit won't be happening at time. So, yeah. So, yeah. Um, so I, I, I actually, with that, I actually, if anyone's listening to this as well, I've, I've actually um, I made uh, um, a short film called Boys Don't Cry. And I put it out. Yeah, 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 yeah. stuff. Yeah, yeah, and, and it's only like eight, nine minutes long. But um, even that, like, I remember the next day I went to the, I went to gym and I saw this guy and, you know, uh, he was like literally tatted everywhere. He was like huge, muscly. Definitely, he's taking some sort of like horse tranquilizers or whatever shit he's taking. Mm-hmm. And um, he came up to me and he goes, he just like watched my video and it really connected with him. And we actually had a heart to heart. And I was like looking at you. I would never think that you have gone through any of the stuff that you're talking about right now because how, how you look. Uh, but you know, the overall message, like just to men is, uh, look, there's one thing to be a man and to be strong, but you're human and human feel uh, emotions, human do. Especially, you know, with people that come from, like our communities come from uh, communities which uh, have a large uh, religious or theological um, influence. Yeah. It's like, yes, you, well, if you believe in the Torheed, then you believe that you have a soul. Like, and mm-hmm. you believe in the Christian, you have a soul. That's supposed to be a, a very vulnerable and very pure and very innocent, the most innocent and pure uh part of yourself like to deny mm-hmm. that and deny that need to connect with others like then you're denying the same teachings you're supposed to be yeah. uh that are upon you i guess so how do you feel uh do you feel it harder to express yourself or like or is do you find it quite easy to talk to another male friend about your feelings so i, I grew up in ilford that was that was my ends east london yeah. uh, yeah. other side to you guys and um and you know, it's it's weird. It was always in me from a young age. Like I always just kind of thought like a little bit differently to some of the guys that I was growing up with. And I and now I can look back on that and go, 
Well, that was probably because I've got a creative streak that I think mm. does just warrant confronting well, emotional it's, content. It's the, fe- <laughs> it's, the fe- it's the feminine hemisphere of the brain, isn't it? That generates creativity yeah. for a start, and and it's I think and I think that's the thing as well is that it's it's men are taught that they link the masculine part of their brain to them mm. being to their gender, and it's not the same thing. Like the brain as amazing as it is and created by God is that this is a synergy of both masculine and feminine hemispheres working together in order to create the entirety of your being and your abilities and stuff like that as well. So yeah, how would I, I agree with that. I think obviously if you're in touch with that, because you know, people say getting in touch with your feminine side. Like I remember again, when I was younger, that was, there was almost like a negative uh, quasi homophobic connotation to being like, you just get in touch with the feminine side when really it's like creativity comes from your feminine side. Emotional intelligence comes from your feminine side. And these, these don't, have any bearing on your gender or your masculinity it's like you need both of them to work so there was nothing to do with it i suppose was the thing there was nothing other than the fact that it you know it 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 allowed me to talk to women easier uh (laughs) there wasn't anything to do with it and i had no creative outlet uh (laughs) until i found a video camera about the age of 19 and then i was and then i was off in a world where it meant more but it's it's really interesting to hear you guys talk about it because um these are conversations that we can have now, whereas mm. as 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 Hamza really kind of you know neatly put it, just previous generations of blokes weren't encouraged to. Well, they weren't. Yeah. They would they wouldn't even think about it really. And and now we can we can start to kind of just go. It's like Dane loves to ask people how they are, yeah. <laughs> but then he goes, no, really. <laughs> like I want to know how you are. Like are you are you okay? You know, it's yeah. like I've called up a few people recently, and they said, oh, what are you calling for? Because I'm wondering how the fuck you are, and I don't need to see your face on a Zoom. I don't need to do this Zoom shit to find out how you are. Like, it doesn't need to be an event. I need to just call you up and be like, mate, how's it going? You all right with this bullshit we're all going through? Yeah, it's it's healthy. Yeah, Yeah, it is very healthy. It's 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 unsurprised, and it is very it's very telling that it's such a contrived act to just inquire about how your friend is doing. Um, (laughs) But that being said, I, I think I think yeah, having the catalyst of the wave of young men like yourself, not in not patronizing way, but obviously when you were young and yourself and other creatives who kind of took advantage of this wave. And like and even, and even like, you know, um Guns and Pork by Shadrach and the Mandem, again, it was like the aesthetic was supposed to be about <laughs> was, was was dealing with a time where there seemed to be very little uh movement for black and brown men to, to yeah. display themselves. And I think I think what you did what you did for successive generations is a good thing, man. So yeah, yeah you deserve all the flowers for that, bro, for sure. Exactly, and 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 what what a brilliant that episode was. I mean, Dane, every week I'm saying this now. Every week it's getting better and better. This show. I mean, this show might have to be called Diary of a Bad Man's because the guests are just getting better, and better. <laughs> more and more life levels and levels are increasing all the time, Hamza. And no, I really appreciate you coming down, brother, and uh, breaking bread, dropping jewels. Um, Please, uh, as well as Boys Don't Cry, can you tell the listeners uh, some of your content which uh, you're particularly proud of and they should check out and where they can find your next works? Yeah, so I mean, uh, yeah, if you can, subscribe to my YouTube channel, most importantly. Uh, that's uh, Humza Productions, H-U-M-Z-A Productions. That's my YouTube. So I do loads of different shows, like you'll see Dyra Badman, Bubblegum, Black and Brown. There's loads of stuff for you to enjoy. And even a podcast as well called Straight to the Point. Um, and uh, yeah, um, I've got uh, right now. I've got a, a, a book series with uh, Puffin and Penguin. It's called Little Badman. Um, I've already released two right now. My, my second one that's just released is called um, A Little Badman and the Time Traveling Teacher of Doom. Um, it's very funny and it's very relatable, um, um, especially for young um, um, Asian and, and, and black kids out there.
there they will really enjoy it and my new book is actually coming out as well it's a special book uh, that's coming out on world book day and um, it's if you go to school it's going to go to every single school in the uk it's called little bad man and the radioactive samosa um and this yes, is sounds <laughs> amazing yeah it sounds so good world book day special i think they like choose like 10 10 authors to create this book just for this day um so you can buy it in like you know shops uh, bookshops waterstone sainsbury's and all of that but um, it will also come to your school and everyone will be able to have a voucher so you'll be able to probably even get it for free um if if you, if you pick that so yeah that's kind of like the stuff and yeah hopefully this year like once things have um oh your instagram uh humza production without the s same thing with snapchat same thing with twitter um tiktok all of that it's just humza production without the s yeah that's it really a lot of stuff for people to go and check out right yes, now right, yeah. right yeah. Yeah. and also Hamza I'm probably going to try and get you to do an audit on my YouTube get my digital game together with my old AS so I appreciate it man but I know definitely man uh, yeah can't say anything else other than yeah real bad man out here man so thank you so much for coming on the podcast <laughs> thank and, you for, uh, thank you for coming we've loved listening to what a brilliant mix of stuff eh? Marvel and all sorts <laughs> loved it yeah, we'll, go, yeah. we'll, go, we'll, go, we'll go back to that off air but um, again Hamza, thank you so much bro it's been a great episode brother thank you bro appreciate it man You've been listening to Dane Baptiste Questions Everything, hosted by Dane Baptiste. For more from Dane, go to danebaptiste.co.uk or follow him on Twitter at DaneBaptweets or Instagram at DaneSnapTiste. Our guest was Hamza Arshad. You can follow Hamza on Instagram and Twitter at Hamza Production and check out his YouTube channel, Hamza Productions. The show is produced by me, Howard Cohen. Follow me on Twitter and Instagram at the Howard Cohen. The show is mixed and mastered by Audio Culture. You can follow Audio Culture on Instagram at We Are Audio Culture. Please rate and review the show on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to us. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram at DBQE Podcast. Thanks to Polly, Gelly, and the ACAST team for all their support. Thanks for listening, guys. And remember, question everything. 